0: Hello, welcome to Book Shambles. Shambles producer Trent here. If you normally skip all the admin announcements at the front of the episode, don't do that this week, because this week's episode is uh, not a normal episode, so it might need some explanation. Essentially, this week's episode was meant to be with Robin and Josie and Lem Sisse talking about his new book, My Name Is Why. Incredible reviews, Sunday Times number one bestseller. But the day we were due to record it, we had a mix-up with the Times and... uh, the hour that we were meant to be chatting with Lem, Lem was only there for the last 10 minutes of basically. So he's going to be coming back into the studio next week and we'll record an episode proper. And what we'll do is we'll then release that chat with the 10 minutes that we did have with Lem, uh, bolted onto the front of it because Josie won't be around next week. So you'll have like 10, 15 minutes of Robin, Josie and Lem. And then uh, the rest of the episode will be Robin, Lem and uh, whoever's coming in to co-host with Robin next week. So instead, what we did, uh, since Robin and Josie hadn't seen each other for a while with festivals and tours and this, that and the other, they just sat down for like half hour, 40 minutes and chatted about what they've been reading over the past couple of months. So that's what this week's episode is. It's just Robin and Josie talking books like the good old days. So we hope you enjoy that. The reading list for this episode is massive. Uh, You'll find that at CosmicShambles.com slash BookShambles along with the reading lists for all the other episodes. And at cosmic dot com you will also find lots of blogs and podcasts and documentaries and all the stuff that we do as well as all our live events including Robin's Chaos of Delight tour in November, what we're doing at the Norwich Science Festival in October all the dates for the Signals tour in October as well, all the stuff for Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People as well as Robin and Brian Cox's Compendium of Reason at Hammersmith Apollo. See Shambles at the Albert Hall next year. All that information is on CosmicShambles.com and you can also click the Patreon button which will take you to patreon.com slash book shambles where you can pledge as little as one dollar a month to help support everything we do at book shambles and the cosmic shambles network that helps us pay for studio hire and editing and uh, the blog network and everything else so if you like what we do uh and you've got a uh, pound or two lying around that is a way you can help us out or you can buy something from the online shop lots of stuff on there like and subscribe and review five stars the podcasts on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. The Science Shambles podcast as well is back this week as well from its mini break. First episode this week uh, we recorded live at the Latitude Festival back in July and it is Robin and Susie Imber and the first ever British astronaut Helen Sharman are the guests on that episode. So you can go and download and subscribe to that. And now on to this week's episode. Here is Robin and Josie and a little bit of Lem at the end with more Lem to follow in a few weeks. Hope you enjoy. Anyway, it was wonderful. Welcome to uh, um, Josie and
1: Robin's Book Shambles, and I'm pleased to say that Josie is back with us. Hello, uh, haven't been away for Edinburgh and various other things. Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, by the way, someone who was fantastic at end of the road. There were many things that were that were, were fantastic. Black Midi were uh, brilliant, um, and there were lots of bands that I thought i think your parents played you a lot of can when you were young (laughs) and i've no problem with that whatsoever um but there was a guy called uh i'm gonna get his name wrong again now for some reason it won't stick my head lonnie holly um and he just 69 years old apparently the background story is one of those things where he was this guy who uh was sold when he was a kid like five years old he was like sold for a bottle of whiskey or something and had this kind of terrible upbringing and um and he just and he goes on with the rest of the band. I think a lot of it is improvised, and he just does these songs where the song I was watching. He was just making it up, just like this beautiful mixture of stuff while he played the organ. And then afterwards, he just said, "You know, to the audience, said I'm just, you know, that that's all all new. That's just a thing, you know." And he said something and, and made some people laugh. And he went, "I suppose that is a joke as well." What I just said, he said, "Even I, even I, still." Um, surprise myself, and I've been living with me for sixty nine years. <laughs> I just thought it was lovely. Um, so, Josie, we'll t- we're, we're waiting for, for uh, Lem Cisse today's guest, who has written. I think the book of one one of my favourite books of the year. It was, in fact, the first book that I read in August, and it was. Uh, it's, it's called My Name Is Hope, and it's amazing. I'll give you a bit of it. It, it. It's basically about what happened to him in the care system, what happened to him with his foster. I, d- I don't know how much you you've seen about this.
2: I'm, I've seen. Not that much, and I would love to hear more. It is—it's we'll, when he's here, I'm, just remarkable. What I'm able to bring uh, to the podcast at the moment is a genuine thirst for uh, new things and a genuine excitement to hear what you're reading. But on my for my own part, very little, um, <laughs> very little to bring to the table at the moment because uh, doing the Edinburgh Fringe, I was, I was bold enough to take five books with me. To the Edinburgh Fringe, even though I knew that I was doing Edinburgh with my 14-year-old... Well, not with her, she is not performing, but with my 14-year-old... 14 years? (laughs) Oh, heavens, it was a long month. It was only then that I realised I
1: travelled through the wormhole.
2: (laughs) And you know what? I didn't recognise her and I didn't like what I saw. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: My 14-month-old daughter, so it was so ambitious and what I did was I unpacked the books on the first day and there they sat... For the whole month.
1: But I find that even without that situation in Edinburgh, I take some books up, and somehow your mind, even though you think, I'm fine, everything's fine, the gig's going fine. It doesn't now. It's a bit like if you if you try and read a book fifteen minutes before going on stage. It doesn't work, does yeah. it? Your brain is in Your a different Your brain's like place.
2: no, no, no. Uh, yes, definitely. I remember when I was nineteen, I was at university and I was up at Edinburgh doing um, a very ill-fated mixed bill show where we would the three of us would just die so hard every night. And the only good memory I have of it is one night we only had fifteen people in the crowd, so it was in this really uh, like hubristically large venue and it was quite heavily promoted so we basically did got big crowds who hated us every night and then one night we only had i think 15 to the exaggeration maybe had six people so what we did was we got them all up on this gigantic stage that we had and we did the show to them on the stage and that's the only good memory i have but i brought with me the fairy queen thomas spencer wow. which
1: edmund spencer
2: isn't it? Uh, edmund Sp- sorry yeah. yes which oh my god like in the best of conditions I'm I'm going to slag it off, is no fun to read. In Edinburgh, I was just like, it just sat on the mantelpiece and every day I'd pull it down like, well, we've got to read this before next year. And I'd be like, oh, Jesus, no, no. No way. Back on the shelf.
1: Maybe it is correct that if I place it under my pillow... Then <laughs> it, no, it is too big, though. It makes my pillow too uncomfortable. Fuck you, Edmund Spencer, <laughs> with your bulky book. That's a book that I, I remember. That was the first book when I did an English degree. They went, here's the first thing you need to read. And I thought, York Notes do a pass note version of that. And they did. Ha! And there we are. But that was um, my
2: big problem at university, was I felt so kind of obsessed with being conscientious that I... Couldn't cover all the ground because I think there is like a degree, we a degree of it where you're supposed to like patch up things a little bit, and I was like, no, no, no. So then I would like read one thing with all of my heart and soul, but miss out on three others or something.
1: I'm so I, I'm I'm just dis- because that was the the least interest the least engagement i ever had with english literature was when studying which is typical At the moment yeah. i'm studying it and then now i'll tell you by the way just quickly the books that i've really enjoyed uh, <laughs> oh. this this summer i finally read confederacy of dunces oh. i started it about three or four times and always got distracted and finally i've read it and uh, is it great it, 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 have, you, have you not read it yet then? still not do you know yeah. i still
2: haven't read the two books that i feel like when i do read them it it, it feels like the pressure is too great. So I've got the Ragged Trouser uh, Philanthropist. Yeah, that's
1: the next one. That's next summer holiday I'll do yes, when I'm in a coastal a town.
2: Confederacy of Dunces. They're the two that I feel like people would imagine I've read and imagine I would love. So I'm, like, very nervous about that.
1: Oh, Confederacy so, of Dunces is an, an an absolute joy. It it really is such a uh everything from these the strange world of hot dog salesmanship, uh this 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 wonderful he's he's such a, a magnificent beast. I mean there's bits about his character where he's also spoiled bastard from Viz, right? Huh. So he's got so much kind of uh um but yeah that 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 was great. There's a, a book called Um Water Shall Refuse Them uh which I think is from Dead Dead Ink. Uh I'll get her name now. It's Laura Knighton, I think. It might might be a, a middle name. Um and that is a fantastic it's it's a kind of slightly folk horror thing. It's about a family going to stay in uh in a holiday cottage in a small um Welsh village. Uh one of the children has drowned in the bath. Oh god. And that's all I'm gonna tell you. And it was interesting because I read it immediately after reading Jenny Eclair's book, Inheritance, which, again, is also about a child drowning. And, uh, and What You Refused And was one of those ones where the moment you start it, you go, I'm really glad there's a points failure on this journey because I'm happy to have this extra 40 minutes because I want to finish it immediately. I want to find out what this... And, and it is, and I, I thought, an entirely satisfying thriller. And, and, That's and just, so
2: rare and so hard to do. Like, the, I, 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 you know, I'm trying to think now of... Yeah, have yeah, you re- read any Harlan Coben? No, and I wished I had. See, I uh, never have.
1: My, my wife reads a lot of kind of thrillers like that, and and I do remember I watched that film based on a Harlan Coben, uh, uh, which is what's um, called?
2: Uh, my sister loves that sort of thing. I think she's probably lent me one that I still haven't.
1: Read. But I get the sense that he writes those bits because more often than not, you're right. It's, it's like watching anything, but where, where when you see a truly satisfying episode of Endeavour, you go, <laughs> "That's that's one of my big battles at the moment." I love Foyle's War, but apparently that means I'm too middle aged. <laughs>
2: Soon you're going to be watching that ITV channel that's nothing but Poirot's and... Those oh, yeah, novels. yeah, I do.
1: But, <laughs> but to be fair, I stay within the later 20th century. I turn and I go, let it be an episode of Lewis. <laughs> I love Lewis so much. I think the relationship between Lawrence Fox and Kevin Waitley is so beautifully done. And I, what, I love about, what I love about those kind of British crime things is uh, there's always a level of melancholy. There's always that mm. moment where you go, no one was happy and then everyone died. Mm. You know, it
2: has that kind of... <laughs> that would be my favourite book would be, no one was happy and everyone died except two of them who then had to deal with it all yeah <laughs> you know
1: the um what else my other two that I read were oh I've read another Jean Reese, which means oh, I've only one? got one left uh, Voyage in the Dark
2: oh uh, that's the one about the woman in France isn't yeah it, it
1: starts <gasps> off she's reading <sighs> Nana yeah. uh, oh, but, uh, my and, God. and then you go uh, did you find no it's not no she's not, not not in France this is the one which is about the girl who's come over from oh, uh, uh, the Caribbean yeah, yeah, yeah I'm thinking and Good Morning
2: Midnight yeah, good I morning, still mid- haven't read Voyage in the Dark and I was so I've moved house and as I was moving house johnny my partner now i'm gonna say strong-armed he's gonna say requested politely that i put most of my books into storage so it was very difficult for me i put about um 10 15 boxes of books into storage and i had to decide like okay who comes with me for this next year two years until we sort of move uh somewhere Proper, I'll say. Um, Not proper. Uh, We're trying to... We're we're hoping to move to Glasgow and then we'll have space, basically. So in the two years, until we can properly get that sorted, maybe a year, I... I, I, So every book I had to kind of like... Because I've got my bookshelf that I put together when I was about 25.
1: I know that shelf. I've seen that Yeah, my favourite books.
2: But the problem is, it's still got things on it like... J.D. Salinger, which, like, I've got four J.D. Salinger books on there that when I first read them, I was like, this, this is me forever. And now I'm like, "This, that was great and it was good, but it's not really something I would want to read again now. It's not something I'd want to pick up and dip into in the way that I would like with, um, like, James Salter or, like, um Jean Reese. Anyway, so, yeah, I was looking at her, Smile Please, and... um uh, uh,
1: Voyage in the Dark. Into
2: the Dark. And I was like, okay, realistically, will we have time this year to read this? Well, yeah, I think
1: Voyage in the Dark is a good one because the great thing about her books as well is they are so concise. Yes. And they're so evocative. And and at the moment you're within that story, you just think, oh, where... I mean, the fact that she is reading Zola at the beginning and you think, oh, is this where it's going to go? And and I just love the fact that she keeps reflecting on the same kind of possibilities of those stories at different ages, like Good Morning Midnight is is, is a a similar ish character though she hasn't gone down the same route but now older you know now, now that yeah. that you know that wonderful thing where where at that point jean Reese is imagining someone as they're fading in in terms of that int- you know the male interest thing that that you know yeah. as as, yeah. as as she she looks at herself and thinks there are now younger women in this room and the kind of men that i was you know oh yeah but yeah. but it's 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 really great but now that that bit cuz cuz yesterday my wife looked at uh, and, and just went oh it's just the clutter And I'm trying to get rid of, you know, I got rid of a 1,000 books last year, most of which went to Leicester Prison. I've managed to get rid of 150.
2: But you got rid of 999 copies of How to Break Out of a Prison. I know, I really did. I I did that proper thing
1: where I went, and I did that thing where I don't need that book about the dreaming brain. And then this week I'm doing a show about dreaming on Radio 4. So I did need that book. I need them all. And then going to Seaside Towns, the Seaside Towns were good for this summer I got my favourite thing I got I was it, it was a uh, a hospice shop in Ramsgate
2: oh and, uh, yes do you know what that shop is going to do if you had two hours you could furnish an entire bedsit with crockery yeah. old clothes and books and you'd be fine
1: yeah 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 you'd
2: be fine you'd be set for life I
1: was looking at things and I was going do I need the autobiography of Mike Sams who was the pioneer of the Mike Sams singers who uh, you may not remember but in the 1970s did many a jingle Oh. do I need a jingle autobiography i decided not and then I, th- I saw they had a copy of whale nation and i thought well i've got a reasonable hardback a reasonable paperback copy of that but let's just have a look it's such a you know you nope, read, tell it, me it's, it's it was so again it's that interesting generational thing because it would have been my late teens when it came out and it was one of those books where everyone you knew went oh have you read whale nation huh. by john dowie who of course we've had oh, on yeah, this yeah. he he directed a version of it with roy hutchins but hithcock williams uh it it's basically just this beautiful thing about the fact that when you when you look at the planet earth what you mainly see is blue what you mainly see is sea what you actually see is this is a whale nation this is a whale huh. planet this is there um and uh and i just picked it up and then I opened it and it turned out it was a signed copy huh. and and then it was signed i can't remember i think it, it was to joe and then it had open brackets 5 and uh william open brackets 7 from Heathcote Williams, open brackets, 47. Oh. And I thought, immediately there's a narrative in that book. Immediately that book now has that kind of, you know, psychogeography, psychobibliography, yep, whatever yep, it was. Yep. And then there was another one, which was a big art book about never ending story. And I thought, I'm just interested. You know, I just get it. And I bet if I get it, I'll then find out. Lucky I got that for a quick, because it turns out people go, have you got the very rare never-ending story book? But, <laughs> but I I Thank you, I've people
2: of s- Ramsgate. Terrible
1: it. skulking around.
2: I really enjoyed taking like taking my books off of the bookshelf and I found a copy of the sonnets from the Portuguese that Elizabeth Barrett Brownings, that was called. My brain is so terrible at the moment. My daughter's teething, so I'm just about to square one. And um, in it, was a card from my grandma's best friend Joe, with whom she was best friends from the age of seven until she died, age eighty something, and um, age eighty—that's how old she, she was—and um, it, it was it was when she was 72 that she'd given it so i just assumed that she'd have this book for 40 years but her friend joe was like oh i i thought i'd send you this for your birthday because it reminded me of how much you love elizabeth barrett browning but also i was thinking about that i was there for your 16th birthday and here i am for your 72nd birthday and again you suddenly feel like oh the, the book's got a whole new identity yeah, for yeah. me. you know like th- that that doesn't this book's life that I can feel emanating off the pages, without sounding too superstitious, it's different now, and and so it was. Yeah, it was real thrilled. To no,
1: I find that that that's what when now that I'm trying to get rid of some more. Because I do have too many and I can't stop myself. And I was the like, end of the road, there's a lovely bookstore run by a man called John. And he just had interesting art books and mm. he just had things that I'd not seen. This book by, by Rebecca Horn, the artist, where she's just taken postcards and drawn on them and changed them. And I thought, I need that. There might be an idea in that. You know, that but that...
2: also, what are you supposed to do? Books are interesting and there's so many of them and loads more come out. What no, are you supposed to ridiculous. do? We should They're have... there to be bought. Please. They want you to Authors, buy Authors,
1: publishers, have a strike for a couple of years. <laughs> Let us catch up. Because that was the trouble is that each time i look at certain books and sometimes i go because i don't want to get rid of anything now there's, there's nothing that i've, I've no. got rid of that thousand was the most i could do and even then i didn't want to get rid of them all. i
2: found it hard putting things in storage i kept thinking exactly what you say yes but what if in the next year i wish to consult this yeah and you
1: suddenly go i've got an idea for a show and i need that book yeah but i i, I found that i'd look through and then I'd, I'd go well i can get rid of that maybe and then i'd just check it was replaceable and then i'd go oh, bloody hell, this book that I bought for a quid about the TV series The Avengers, it turns out it's worth £200. So I can't replace it. So it's that thing. It's not because it's worth... You know what I mean? It's literally... I would happily give it to Oxfam and they'd make money, apart from the fact that I think I still want that book. And then I found another one about the fourth dimension. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get around to this. And then it turned out the person who read that book um, argued with it throughout and left little, you know, marginalia of all of the... So I went... Again, as you said, now this book has a second life and it's going to be impossible to replace. And you go, and I think our, our common alibi is it might turn into a show. Yeah. It might be, this is Or it you. might be
2: something I need when I'm writing something. Yeah. And it might just be the thing that like, yeah. And also, I think sometimes you just want to refer. You just want to go, there was that bit in that book that I liked. Let's just go in and just have a little look just to remind ourselves. But then also, so what I found in particular, I'm just fixating on my favourite bookshelf at the moment. But what I found was, it's your life as well, you know. It's where you were when you bought it. It's kind of... So I was, like, looking at these Philip Larkin books that I bought when I won I won a poetry competition in the Beckenham Festival and received a book voucher. No, a poetry competition in the uh, London University, as it was then, uh, sort of teen poetry competition and I won a poetry voucher uh, A come on brain a book voucher and I bought sort of three Philip Larkin poetry books and like maybe I just wanted to brag that I won a competition guys actually I didn't even win I came third this is the story it's falling to pieces but uh, it, it, even though I don't read larking very often and i do still like it but i wouldn't say i'm going to refer to it in the next year it was like yeah but that's representing that little part of my life between the age of 16 and 18 and what my tastes were and what i cared about and and it's got to be there sort of uh, the fragments i shall shore against my ruin you know like you just got them all there so you're like, ooh, safe safe i don't know
1: no, it's a, there's a, Bruce Hood um, has just got a new book out called Possessed, which is about what we instill in possessions and kind of... Because he talked about that thing, we might have talked about this one before, but in in, in one of his books, uh, he he talks about something that he does in, in his courses at, um, at Bristol University, where he um, gets out a woolen jumper and he says to everyone, he said, this was Fred West's jumper. Oh. Who will try it on? Ah. And no one wants to try it on. He says been washed and everything, but yeah. no one will try it on. And of course, at the end of it he goes. That wasn't Fred West jumper. It's just a jumper. <laughs> but in that, he illustrates that that fact that you know that something gets imbued. You know, so, so the mere fact that you still remember the process of going to that bookshop and thinking, "I'm going to read all this," you know, whatever it yes. was, or thinking, ship "I've high got, Windows, where, I've got and, twenty
2: pounds. That's all mine, and I can spend it on anything I want. That's a book. Yeah, that's great. Yeah." <laughs>
1: Hello, sorry to interrupt the podcast, I hope you're enjoying it and I hope you'll come back after this brief message. Check out the Cosmic Shambles Network online shop. You can get Book Shambles shirts and tote bags, badge packs notebooks and all that sort of stuff. There's signed hardback copies of my book, I'm a Joke and So Are You, and I'll personally dedicate them to you as well if you'd like me to. Everything you buy from the shop goes back into helping us continue to make the podcast and all of the science blogs and other things at Cosmic Shambles no, I've got to work out a way because I know it's, it's it's it is almost it's it's almost Mr. Treves. If you remember Mr. Treves, he was the uh, he was he was the hoarder, and and there is a point where he just go. I've got. But to
2: I bet you don't them. have other possessions. Like I don't think you're somebody who collects crockery or. No, that's it. That's it. But of the Charlie's books
1: are big. You see, and, yeah. and, and they're and and they're different sizes. You see, I, I think but it would be a lot like, easier I... in my house for everyone else yeah. if books came out one standard size, and I could very carefully just put them in a row and put them in a row and color code them if necessary. Mm. perfectly think of all this. That'll be fine, but it's the fact that they create this, you know, this strange geometry, dynamic of of, of odd geometry.
2: Have you thought about buying a stately home in near ruin?
1: That is my dream: is to finally have that one project that makes me that fortune that's required. Because we went, in, I went to this bookshop in. Uh, no,
2: I meant if you get the stately home in near ruin, it won't cost you a fortune. Then all you need to it do is still, do up still the cost the stately homes don't come cheap.
1: If they've got <laughs> a roof, you still. Um. Because when I went to a bookshop in Lou, in in Cornwall last week, and that had one of the rooms when we went upstairs, my wife went, "This is how I imagine your library would have been." It was an old, I think, Baptist hall or something, Aww. and this must have been the Baptist reading room, and and that bit, that imagining that you actually have the money to own mm. one, have that one room mm. where you actually have that little push, that that little stairs, mm. the little round stairs that you got
2: alcoves you know, an alcove which is your little study and an alcove which is kind of your secondary study for when you're working on your side project. And, oh, wow. yeah. See,
1: maybe when I do get off with that advert, all those ones (laughs) that I've turned down, maybe that one that does have the ridiculous money and people, you know, immediately people reject my work from that point onwards for their sense that I've sold out. uh, But nevertheless, uh, when I say, but I I made this library, people go, now you have a book tower. We realise why you did that. (laughs) <laughs> advert for British Aerospace Weapons Division. That quirky advert for mines. We understand it.
2: Uh, what I would say so do British Aerospace
1: I d- do mines, but I don't really know that much about
2: that. I you also know, think or... that you are sadly inhabiting a world from 15 years ago where people yeah. could do an advert and it would be a life-changing amount of money.
1: Yeah, I remember there was a, a, a comedian who's a writer now and, and he did an advert for some crisps or something when yeah. he was about 24 and he bought a house in Camden.
2: Yeah, it was probably only about five grand back then. Yeah,
1: insane so what's the, what were the when you were putting the book what were the books that you could also so what were the five in edinburgh so you, you said were oh have...
2: so there's one called the compassionate mind which is uh it's massive <laughs> like it, because i decided that i wanted to kind of focus on compassion every day and do something that was kind of like actively engaging with it so sort of like uh like more, like an active kind of I don't even know, like an active meditation, but that's a silly thing to say. Just a way to kind of think about that every day and to kind of engage with how I can be more compassionate and how I can kind of change my life. And I bought this book, but it's so bloody big, I can't be bothered with it.
1: So that means you also dragged it all the way up in your oh, heavy, no,
2: which isn't itself a compassionate. It's, act. it's like when
1: I did when we did that tour of Australia a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, like the first bookshop I went to in Sydney, <laughs> I found this huge book, <laughs> the Evergreen Reader, which is filled with articles from the 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 Evergreen Review, yes, right? Yes. And then I dragged it around for ages, and then I had to like change all my luggage around, and then the bag broke, and then I got back here, and it turned out it was in the second-hand bookshop down the road, it was no! only about a fiver, and it was uh, that's like the heartbreak. Uh, that lovely story, you know, Ross Noble loves kind of just gimmicky things and stuff like that. Oh, he certainly did. He used to love <laughs> all those... very funny. Loved strange bits of tat.
2: He's the only person in the world that I wish to become so rich. Because, like, I, w- I hope that he becomes like a multi, multi, multi-millionaire because... I'd love to see what he did with it. Even he's, what he's he got would now is fun stuff.
1: Yeah, it, it is a you know he he lives in this uh, I shouldn't but it's like, but he he was when he was going around Australia years ago. This must have been twenty something years ago. He saw the what he thought was the funniest thing. He thought, oh my god, that Australia's got these brilliant things, and they're called Billy Big Mouth Bass. And they go, <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the most hilarious thing. <laughs> I'm going to buy hundred. So he bought an enormous number of them and had to pay loads actually. And of course, he arrives in Heathrow and the first thing he sees in oh, the novelty no! shop there, it don't. Don't worry, be happy. And he goes. I did. I just thought it was a special thing only for Australia.
2: So that's that, so a pre-internet world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Compassionate mind. Yeah, I was reading that. Um, I, me, and Johnny have been taking turns reading the Philippa Perry book about. Um, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is great, but it's it's
1: too late quite... for my son. <laughs> the poor whipper tear away. If only we'd known.
2: <laughs> but it's um, it's big to read. It's quite affecting, and I feel like every. Um, it's up to you, do like sit and try and think about stuff, and yeah, so we're like, well, that's the thing, it's
1: very potent. It's like yeah, she writes yeah. it in this very uh, simple, immediate, but kind of the, the way it's been distilled down means yeah. that I don't I love thing. her
2: writing, I think it's just great.
1: Well, she said, I, mean, I think when she did this, she was talking about the fact that, you know, initially she had this first version of the book, then she went, no, I need to write this like a very intelligent women's magazine article. Just, that's what I, I don't, I, you know, the, to make sure it's plain... Yeah. In a, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad but I mean that way that you just go, clear. I, I, it's clear, it's plain. I had a lovely thing, I did the Also Festival, which is a really nice little festival near Leamington Spa, just in a field with many kind of authors and stuff like that, and little bands. And and, uh, and Philippa was there as well. And uh, I was doing a, a talk about my book in this tent. And uh, she went, oh, I've done my leggings. I said, well, have the seat that's on, on the stage. And she went, OK. And she sat on the stage. She said, where shall I take the seat? I said, it's fine. Just sit there. And so we then did... So I do my hour-long thing, which is, you know, partly involves some psychotherapy. And that's what ah. she does. <laughs> and it was like having Madge from Dame Edna Everidge just sat there. <laughs> but a Madge, who knows what she's doing. So every now and again, I might say something about Jung. And I thought, I bet Philip is making a face now.
2: It was, a, that was a,
1: one of those very relaxed double acts. <laughs> that's um, funny. But Um, that was, um, so so Philippa's book.
2: I'm trying to think what else I had. I was really lucky, um, Cheryl Strait, who I... Have you seen that there was a film adaptation of her book uh, with Reese Witherspoon in it called Wild about... Oh, I heard um, about this, yeah. It was great. And um, she came to my show. She gave me a book of her... She writes an advice column. She's written an anonymous advice column, which is such a great thing to have in Edinburgh because you can sort of go, but I'll dip in and have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really great. Um, God, I feel so stupid. I can see them all sitting on the table and yet I can't recall what I brought, which is... um, I've been reading uh, My Midsummer Morning uh, by Alistair Humphreys, who is the man who um, whose idea of micro-adventures mm. I love and think is wonderful, which is about... Um, he's somebody who's ridden a bike around the world and written books about it and, and does sort of great big challenges in a really interesting way. And also is somebody who's really about kind of uh, changing what it means to be uh, an adventurer. Um, And sort of challenging the idea that, you know, I mean, I I think when you think of that sort of thing, you think of very, very rich men with a lot of money doing things that, of course, they can do because they're very rich men. And what I like about the things that he's done is they're always about kind of, okay, I have no money to start with for this. How do I build it or kind of? The limitations of this are this, that, the other, and and they're not about kind of I climbed Everest with the backing of millions of pounds. They're like I cycled around the world and I had no money, and so I had to work out how to make that work. Or with this one, he um he read Laurie Lee um his book about um busking around Spain just before the um, civil war with a violin, and all you know for about. 10 15 years he just kind of held that in his heart and thought about it and he doesn't play the violin he didn't play the violin and it, it it's about the fact that he um he sort of found himself with his family and sort of settling into a routine that he wasn't used to because the sort of things that he'd done in the past were like right I'm going to cycle around the world. I may be three years. Good day to you. Um, and, and sort of he's, in the introduction to it, he talks about how he was going around to schools doing these presentations on what it means to kind of do adventures and then write about them. And how, you know, it's like with, with us, with like creative stuff, you know, you, it becomes your life and then your life becomes sort of more rigid. And then how do you keep that spark? Anyway, so he decided that... Um, he was going to learn the violin and go and busk his way around Spain with a violin and walk. Um, and it's, yeah, it's great. I But I haven't yet finished it, but it's just um, it's such a cool thing. And also just so funny to think of someone... Who's like a really basic student of the violin, mm. trying to bust because no one wants to hear that. No, <laughs> no
1: it really takes a tremendous level of, of violin ability to, <laughs> to be good go, enough. I'll put fifty p in that hand. Yeah, yeah. But
2: also, he's like I really recommend his other book called um, Micro Adventures. Um, it's 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 like a really great. Uh, glossy travel book so it's one of those books that you look at and you're like i'm just enjoying the vicarious mm-hmm. thrill of this but he's somebody who talks about the fact that even if your work is very rigid nine to five you've always got 5 p.m to 9 a.m which doesn't have to be as rigid all the time and about how when you finish your work you, what you can do is get a train for an hour out of the city cycle or walk for an hour camp out in a bivy bag swim in a river or a lake and then the next morning going to work and no one needs to know about it. And and he talks about doing that with children and sort of having little camping trips with children overnight that are a little bit more wild and, and kind of adventurous. And, yeah, I just love I love the book and I love his attitude as well. It's really inclusive and really, um, like, I don't know, loving to humanity. It's great.
1: I'd like to... I, I don't read enough kind of travel books, walking books. Cause I remember years ago reading John Hillaby, who was kind of a, a great travel writer, wrote a book called Journey Through Britain and uh, it was 1967 I think oh, he did it wow. and he knew that as he walked through Britain he, he he knew that it was on the cusp of changing a great deal that in terms of the high streets mm-hmm. and the infrastructure and all of those things that he he was seeing a, a, a metamorphosis and, yeah. and, and I read that and enjoyed it so much and every now and again I pick up one of those books but I'm trying to remember now a guy called Justin Hopper has written one uh, about walking through the downs and it kind of starts off with a, a relative of, of his um, I, th- I think it's it's Oh not a relative it 's actually his his grandfather 's first wife who threw herself off Beachy Head God. and then goes on this kind of journey through the downs and uh, and I go oh, this, and I, I find Oh, that one that we 've talked about before the one all about um uh, Kent. Uh, huh? it, the uh, All the Devils Are Here. From, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that, that's. Uh...
2: But do you know what as well, um, in terms of bringing everything back to one of my two interests, um, Waterlog by Roger Deakin, so interesting because it's about somebody's travelling uh, in water, uh, deciding, and he talks about when he used to swim in... Um, uh swimming pools he felt like a tiger pacing up and down a cage because he just didn't want to be doing the lengths all the time and that's kind of what sparked his journey and as what's well. that called again? it's called waterlog and it's by Roger Deakin um yeah uh I think
1: of See, I've ended up doing. I, I've been reading more. I've I've got slightly more into horror again. Oh
2: yes, Cause, please.
1: Because I'm I'm off to. I'm doing a festival called Abertoir in oh. Aberystwyth.
2: Oh, very and, nice.
1: Uh, things like the the, uh, uh, the 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 film director Norman Warren, who made amongst other things, Seminoid and Satan's oh, Slave, is going <laughs> to be their Great 1970s movies, and and also Gary Sherman, who made one of my favourite horror movies of all time, Deathline, which is oh, that one where you've got the cannibals yeah. living there. Um, uh, I, Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that. that very much upset him. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> have described you as looking Cut a bit out. like the cannibal man. Hello, Lem. How are you doing? Nice how to see you. you. Um, the uh, I'll quickly say, by the way, a book I will highly recommend. W. Scott Poole, uh, who's written a book called Wasteland, which is all about how the First World War changed the horror genre and changed oh. and how it, it kind of inspired and changed the whole way that people wrote and of things course, like films like Nosferatu what that was into doing, The abyss. of Dr. Caligari uh, The Work of Arthur Macken all of that stuff and he, it, it's a really interesting book that and Kit Power's book about um tommy which kind of almost fits in then because kit powers yeah, tommy of course based on the on the on the who uh um yes. the, the the it you know it is about um the treatment of children the rejection of children and love so we we'll go lem by the way uh, we had a slight uh, there's been a slight travel problem which is why uh may Josie i apologize me went, don't, don't apologize it's absolutely fine it's... because uh, i don't like to think that i'm somebody who's late and i got all my times wrong so i was all ready to come in at this time you're on time and then for that i realized time. yeah yeah I, I i this is such a great program and to come in with you sort of speaking out a book bu- about a book about wasteland <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh as uh um as an introduction to a new way of writing uh, it's just really exciting. It's such a live thing, book shambles. Oh, and so I've so been saying. the shambles that has that's a fine, book. <laughs> a sort of, sort of, I, I, I mean, am the shambles. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's what someone had to bring it. And Josie that sometimes does that, and I sometimes I, do that. You say sometimes
2: on. I do it ninety nine percent of the time. Also, it's been good for us because we haven't seen each other for a while, so we've got to have She's a little been talking chat about favourite. Yeah. Have you ever written Shirley Jackson?
1: No, I've not. I'm oh, not, but she. I will. I just read um, uh, "We Always Lived in the Castle" because she just wrote. A friend such was recommending me Shirley Jackson haunting, recently. But, I mean, her fa- famous one is "The Haunting a Hill House." Uh, That's why. Which, which is, but everyone says "We Always Lived in the Castle" is better, and it's just—I I won't explain it—but it's this really. Um, It basically starts off this this teenage girl is walking through the village and the village we know every that that's the the family, they carry something with them which means that the village reject them and the village talk about them. And 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 I won't even say I don't want to reveal the first term. What's what's her name again? Uh Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. And the book is And it's called We Always Lived in the Castle. We Always Lived in the Castle. And I know they've just turned it into (laughs) a and and it man, it was it's just again, it was another one. That's why I love books that are about 190 pages long, is because With a reasonable train journey, you can go totally into that world and you don't have to have any ad break of existence beyond the reading
0: and it's just so much more exciting. And that is where we'll end the next 10, 15 minutes with Lem. We'll go on the front of the bigger conversation with Lem coming up in a few weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our Patreons. Head to patreon.com slash bookshambles to support everything we do at the Cosmic Shambles Network. Get extended episodes and all sorts of other stuff on there for as little as $1 a month. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then, have a great week. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Cosmic
1: Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.